Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Podcast. Lifehouse is a church that exists to invite all people to live an uncommon life by following Jesus, doing life together, getting in the game, and leaving a legacy. We hope that today's message helps you grow as a follower of Jesus, gives you perspective to see yourself and others differently, and inspires you to make a difference in the world around you. Now, let's get to this week's message. Well, hey, Lifehouse, we are beginning a brand new series today called It's Not Over, and today's title is called It's Not Over Even When It Seems Over. It's Easter season. We're we're journeying towards the resurrection. We're going to celebrate April 17th, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. The journey towards resurrection begins with suffering, right? The journey towards resurrection towards this day of beauty and glory and victory actually begins with suffering. And today we can focus on Jesus' suffering and we will do that a little bit, but I think we don't just need to suffer on Jesus' suffering because honestly Jesus' suffering is just an example for us of the fact that honestly many times our life will Unfortunately, it doesn't matter if you follow Jesus, it doesn't matter if you don't follow Jesus, it doesn't matter what religion or worldview you have, your life will inevitably have, and in so many cases, be filled with a lot of suffering. That is not sexy preaching. It's not sexy preaching to stand up here and tell you, hey, get, get ready. If you aren't suffering, you probably will be suffering at some point. If you are suffering... God will be with you in the suffering, and not only will God be with you in the suffering, but there will be a day of... Re- it's, 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 it's like suffering is, is really, honestly, one of the greatest things that I think I can do for you as your pastor is to prepare you for and help you in times and seasons of suffering. Because, honestly, let's just be candid. Suffering is one of the main reasons so many people struggle to believe in God. It's one of the main reasons why you struggle. It's one of the main reasons why you struggle to have faith. And I mean, we're, we're, we're just surrounded by it. You're either experiencing suffering or you're looking around you and you just see the carnage of suffering. Just turn on the news a little bit. And it's, I can only take like two minutes before my heart and my soul just feels overwhelmed with just the weight of all the suffering that's going on in the world around us. And so... Today, as we're journeying towards resurrection, and we can't wait until celebrating that, I, I think we almost need to pause and really say, let's, let's go back to where this journey began, and it began on the road of suffering. And really today, my goal and my heart isn't just to talk so much about what Jesus suffered, but to help you prepare for when suffering happens, or if you are suffering right, right now, how to take your hand and put it in Jesus's hand and really help you know how to suffer well. Because honestly, a lot of your development in your following of Jesus will be, will be based on how you handle and how you walk through suffering. Because for some of you, suffering will, will, will make you want to run away from God. And you'll be like, since, since, since I am suffering, I'm going to run from him, but actually, what you see, one of the things that makes Christianity unique and different is its perspective about suffering. I love what Tim Keller says, Pastor Tim Keller. He says this: contra, he said Christianity teaches contra fatalism, 
suffering is overwhelming. Contra Buddhism, suffering is real. Contra karma, suffering is often unfair. But contra secularism, suffering is meaningful. There is a purpose to it. And if faced rightly, it can drive us like a nail deep into the love of God and into more stability and spiritual power than you can imagine. Now that, you're like, John, that, that sounds good. That preaches good. But how does that actually become a reality for us to where suffering can actually be one of the greatest, the, the greatest invitations that God could give us to, to where it paves the way to invite him in into getting closer to us? You can't look at the Bible and look at the greatest people that God used and not also see some of the people that God used the greatest were some of the people that suffered the greatest. It was almost like a prereq to be used by God was almost having to go through suffering to prepare them for what God wanted them to do. And And Tim Keller, again, talking about scripture, says this. He says, can you go to that Tim Keller? Keller quote was the second one. That's all you have? Okay, well, I'm going to read the quote that I've, the, I've got here. This is what it says. It says, suffering in the Bible is one of its main themes. The book of Genesis begins with an account of how, of, of how death came into the world. The book of Exodus recounts Israel's 40 years in the wilderness, a time of intense testing and trial. The wisdom literature of the Old Testament is largely dedicated to the problem of suffering. The book of Psalms provides a prayer for every single possible situation in life. And so it is striking how filled it is with cries of pain and with blunt questions to God about the seeming randomness and injustice of suffering. The books of Job and Ecclesiastes are almost wholly dedicated to deep reflection on unjust suffering and on the frustrating pointlessness that characterizes so much of life. The prophets Jeremiah and Habakkuk give searing expression to the human complaint that evil seems to rule history. New Testament books such as Hebrews and 1 Peter are almost entirely devoted to helping people face relentless sorrows and troubles. And towering over all, the central figure of the whole scripture, Jesus Christ, is a man of sorrows. The Bible, therefore, is about suffering as much as it is about anything else. That was a quick 30,000-foot view of a lot of how the direction and trajectory of Scripture goes, and a lot about it is about how to handle and how we deal with and what suffering looks like. You, and, and then it talks about how the central figure was Jesus. Like, do you remember one of the things Jesus even prayed before he was about to begin this week of suffering? When the, what is one thing he was praying in the garden? He knew what was coming. He knew what his path was. He knew the path of suffering, and he prayed, God the Father, if there's any way you can take this suffering from me, do it. Even Jesus didn't want to endure the kind of suffering he knew what was coming. But he said, Lord, not my will, yours be done. Let's just be candid. That is a lot of our prayer. God, if you can keep us from it, keep us from it. My God, please. But the place we have to, to, to get to ultimately isn't just praying, God, keep me from something. We have to get to the point of, Lord, we're going to pray for it, but ultimately you're in charge. We're going to submit to you. But the example is Jesus, and that's what we're going to look at today quickly, is we're going to look at Jesus, because if we miss Jesus, we miss it all. 
If we miss the way that Jesus handled it and walked through it and thought about it and his perspective on it, we miss it all because he is the central figure of Scripture. And here's the thing. I'm, I'm going to give you three thoughts about how Jesus handled suffering, about how Jesus walked through suffering that I believe are really going to help you today learn how to handle, process, leverage, and walk through suffering so we can ultimately do what? We can ultimately become more like Jesus because that's the whole goal, right? So the first thing is this here. Jesus suffered as an example. Listen to me. We have to get away from this mindset of thinking, if you love Jesus a lot, you won't suffer a lot. Because Jesus, what we preach at Lifehouse, Jesus was a savior. Yes, he suffered for you for your sin. There's a suffering that Jesus did that you don't have to suffer for, and that was suffering for your sin. Right? So there is a suffering you do not have to walk through because Jesus walked through it for you. The crucifixion was ultimately the price of sin, and when he died, he just didn't die for you. He died as you. He took the pain. He took the penalty. He, he took the cost for you. So Jesus suffered as a savior, yes, but don't miss the fact leading up to the cross, there's a lot of suffering involved that was in Jesus' life that, that essentially is a pathway and shows us what the cost is many times to walk in the will of God. His family, Jesus' family thought he was crazy. The religious people thought he was full of the devil. Jesus had his, some of his best friends in his hardest moments, in his moments where he needed them the most, turn their back on him. And we all know the cross. Jesus went and paid the ultimate cost for us. His life was a pathway and a road full of suffering. But let me tell you this. Do not think Jesus suffered so you wouldn't suffer. That's partly true. Because he suffered for your sin, but also his life shows us that, that if we're going to follow Jesus, 1 John chapter 2, Two says we have to walk in his steps. And unfortunately, a lot of his steps are paved in the path of suffering. I mean, isn't suffering baffling, though? Like chronic physical pain, you know, like, like, like chronic physical pain, loss of loved ones. Maybe you were a victim of somebody else's sin, and you've been suffering the psychological and physical and emotional trauma from that for years and possibly you've been suffering in silence you know like i you know i remember being you know being by my mom's bed, bedside when she was passing cancer just ravaged her body and that was like one of my first encounters with like being really angry at god thinking she gave her life for you lord she was there she served she gave her life and now these sweetest years that she should be walking in enjoying her grandsons and enjoying her sons about the planet like she should be enjoying this season and literally just 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 being angry with god that she wasn't going to see the fruit that she invested so heavily for yeah that's that that's real talk and I, and I know I'm just not the only one that kind of probably has that, uh, a story like that. I'm sure we could go to each person in this room, and you could tell me candidly and, and share a moment of suffering that you know in your eyes, from your perspective, from your viewpoint, just seems unjust. And in many ways, you're kind of right. 
from your perspective, right? But it, it's, it's real. It's there. We can't deny it. We can't dismiss it. We can't spiritualize it. We can't minimize it. It's there. And what, and, and what we see, if we don't have the thought process that suffering is actually a part of what this walk with Jesus looks, looks like, if we don't have that expectation, when it happens, then we'll damn God. And unfortunately, even what some preachers have taught is, is like, if you do these things, you do these things, then God will like you better. And if God likes you better, you won't suffer as much. And what that has done is that has set so many people in my life up that I know whenever they think I do these things, God likes me more because God likes me more. He's going to keep me more from suffering. And, and what you're actually setting yourself up for is unhealthy, unrealistic, ungodlike expectations because you're looking to people instead of looking to Scripture in Jesus to see the example. Jesus is the example. And he suffered as an example. Basically saying suffering is actually, and this is going to sound weird, is a part. And you're saying, I'm not trying to dismiss, devalue, minimize anything you've walked through. But what I'm simply trying to say is just that suffering, and what we see in Jesus' life is suffering was actually a part of the training process that Jesus needed to walk through to prepare him to do the will of the Father. Hebrews 5, chapter, or excuse me, Hebrews chapter 5, verse number 8 tells us this, Jesus learned. Can we just stop right there? How, how powerful is that? Jesus learned. You know, we can just think Jesus, well, he was God, of course, but Jesus shows us what is possible through the power of the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit we have access to, and shows us through the power of personal discipline. But Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. And I think there, there is something here, and, and the point is this, is that suffering, let's just be honest, is a teacher. It said Jesus learned through what he suffered. Jesus learned for him, it was something he learned obedience. But Jesus learned, oh, Jesus, suffering was a teacher to him to teach him things, to prepare him. And, and, and so here's the thing, Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. What does this look like for you? Go to that next slide. Because honestly, a lot of your stories is going to look like this. In, insert name, so insert your name so we can hear Paul, right? So Paul learned what through what he, she suffered. And really, if you fill this equation, and I mean, I'll just fill it for you. So just say, John learned patience, compassion. John learned to be kind through what he suffered. And as many of you know, I've shared, I've shared this before, but stuttering has been a suffering. In so many ways, throughout my 38 years, by God's grace, I've worked through it. I've walked through it. I've, you know, God's been really, really good. But throughout much of my life, stuttering has been something that has been a suffering. Mainly, it's been emotional and psychological, even in some ways, physical. 
And if I just look at stuttering and I say, God, why? And you can ask the question, why, God, what was the purpose for it? I didn't ask for it. Something I just received. And sometimes your suffering isn't what you even ask for. A lot of your suffering many times is something you didn't see coming or you didn't ask for. If all I focused on my whole life is why and never transitioned to God, what are you trying to show me? Then I would have missed the lessons that my suffering was trying to teach me. And I can tell you, stuttering has taught me to be a lot more kinder. I don't just see what people do. I think about the variables, maybe. <laughs> Not just seeing how someone acts, but what are the contributing factors that make them act that way? You start to see people with more compassion. And what I would challenge you to do, what we see Jesus doing and what Jesus ultimately, his suffering, let him do, it taught him something. If you don't let your suffering teach you you're missing the lessons because let's just be honest if you're in the school of suffering everyone will and will enroll in it and everyone will have to take the class because a lot of your life is going to be working through and processing suffering don't miss the lessons that suffering wants to teach you jesus learned through what he suffered what is the lord trying to teach you what is jesus how 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 can your suffering be leveraged to help teach you and train you to be more like Jesus. Secondly, Jesus just didn't suffer as an example. I want to let you know that Jesus suffers with you. Jesus suffers with you. And this is one of the things that I think we absolutely miss about how Jesus doesn't just look down on you in your suffering. Like I think sometimes we can look at people or like we think that God is almost looking down on people that suffer and is just like, hurry up, get over it. Why? <laughs> You're going to be in heaven one day. What's the big deal? Right? And we can almost feel bad because we, because we are suffering. But I want to help you think differently, that, that God doesn't look down on you in your suffering. Jesus doesn't look down on you in your suffering. He actually wants to meet you in your suffering. And, and actually not just, like, he, he wants to suffer with you you know i think about the story in john chapter 11 whenever jesus healed whenever jesus healed lazarus so many of you know the story if you grew up in church right lazarus jesus gets word that he died and jesus and lazarus were friends and jesus is in a whole different city and then he's like yo jesus we need we need you to come everyone's really stressing out La you know lazarus is dead so jesus goes over there and he gets there like, like he's already been in the tomb for, what, three, four days. He's, he's stinking. He's dead. And Jesus, he goes there. And we all know how the story ends. Jesus heals Lazarus. But do you know what Jesus does before he heals Lazarus? He weeps. It's the shortest verse in the whole Bible. Jesus what? Wept. And, you know, my son is savage. Jack, Jackson's savage. Because I kind of got, got this thing with my kids. If they learn a scripture verse, I'll give them five, five dollars. Just trying to spur that scripture learning on a little bit. And Jesus was like, Jesus wept. Where's my five dollars? You know, he like, you ready to get that money, you know. He's like, I learned the scripture. 
But that, that verse sounds, is, is so short but so powerful, especially when you look at the context. Because before Jesus healed, he wept. Before Jesus healed, he grieved. And I just think, how many people want to skip the grieving and get to the healing? And some of you have not fully healed yet and have not been restored because you want to skip the process. And let's just be honest about how many times we skip this grieving process. Why do we do that? Because we want to spiritualize it. Well, this too shall pass. It's not in the Bible, just let you know. That's a made up, what's, what, what's that word called? Colloquialism. That we like to just say to people to help make them feel better, but it doesn't really make them feel better. It just makes us feel, feel, feel better because we don't, we don't really know what to say. We just say, oh, it's, it's really not that bad. Or, or we, we devalue it, we dismiss it. But let me tell you this, whatever is not processed is still there. Whatever you don't let come up and come out and let be processed, many times it sits in there and it spoils and then it ends up contaminating. So many people have so much pent-up grief and loss that they've never wept and have never grieved because they think Jesus doesn't care, they feel bad for, for even having, have, having it, or they haven't actually known the tools to help process the deep pain and deep loss and deep grief you actually feel. Grieving is actually a gift from God that he gives his people to help process pain. That's what I love about the Bible, especially Psalms. If you are grieving and you're trying to walk through this, this, this kind of like landmine field of walking through deep pain and grief, you need to pick up the Psalms and read them because the Psalms gives us permission to feel whatever and it'd be okay and God can handle it. You see David like, God, you're awesome, you're great, but I hate this guy, would you kill him? Now, he, but, but what was he doing? He was processing his heart before God. He wasn't keeping it in. The Psalms give us permission to feel and permission to grieve and permission to let our heart out before God. And some, and, and, and some of you just have years and years of things you've never grieved. Like, do you know anything that is a loss you can grieve? Maybe if, if you lost a job, you lost a friend. Like, I think we devalue so many things that we lose, and we don't properly process it, and that actually calcifies us to not even feel anything. To where, yeah, whatever, God's, God is good. Yeah, we know God is good, but this sucks. We can have that tension as followers of Jesus. God is good, but this is hard. And if you don't process it, see, here's the thing. Jesus, before he healed, he wept. And my question for you is, what do you need to grieve? What, what process do you need to walk through? Because here's the thing. God, you know, Jesus is not looking down on, on, on you. Can you come up here, Jax? I, I'm, I'm actually have Jax come up here and kind of, and kind of just like show, show us a little something. Y'all give it up for Jackson Ware. Just turned 11. He's going to be in youth group next, next year. 
That's how I know I'm old. Like, I'm going to have a kid in youth. It's crazy, Dwayne. But anyway, right, so I want you to put yourself in, in Jackson's shoes here. And, and, and just like Jackson is you, and you've, you have got things that you're walking through, you're processing, you're grieving through. And I think sometimes we can kind of think God is just kind of up, up here, and he's just looking down on us, and he's like, we just hurry up and get over this? Like, dude, like, serious? Like, you're struggling? Why, why, are, why are you laughing? Like, you've got work to do for the kingdom of God, and you're sitting here in your pain. Come on, man. And, but, but honestly, I, I think this is what we sometimes feel from God. You even feel from yourself. And really, here, here's the thing. Jesus is not up here looking down on you. Because here's the thing. Think about it. John chapter 8. The woman is caught in adultery. She's suffering. The Pharisees come in. The Pharisees are there looking down on her, condemning her. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't stand over her. He gets down in the dirt with her. And he says to the Pharisees, if any one of you is without sin, you, you cast the first stone. Jesus is not afraid to get in the dirt with, with you. He is, and, and really, that's what, you, that's what actually Jesus did for us. He came, like, Jesus did not look down on us and be like, hey, it sucks down on earth. I, I hope you guys make it down there. I'm going to stay up in heaven where it's nice and great. Have fun. No, he stepped down from heaven came down to earth, became like us, and got down into the dirt with us. And Jesus is, and I just want to let you know, Jesus is not afraid to get down and come down and get in the dirt with you. He loves you. You are his son. You are his daughter. He just didn't suffer for you. He suffers with you. He suffers with you. You, you can sit down, son. Hebrews chapter 4. Tells us, tells us this. It says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to what? Empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. What is, is this saying? Since we have a God that has been here and knows what it's like, whenever we are suffering, we can run to the one who has suffered. That we do not have a God that, that is far off, that doesn't know what it's like to experience what we have. But it says we have one that has been tempted, that has suffered in the same way, you, way we have. And because he has, he is more than able and capable to be a refuge in time of need. Jesus suffers with you. Jesus suffers with you. And I love that word there empathy because honestly typically the way jesus suffers with us is jesus has a representative that represents him you know one of the, one, one of the uh things that i've had to learn in 13 years of being married is this word empathy in these pastoral retreats that i would go go that that i would 
go to in California where it was just like a week of just intense internal, you know, internal processing, processing my past and learning how to get emotionally and psychologically healthy. One of the things that they were big on was this word, empathy. Because what they called it is, is just that empathy is breath for your soul. It's a place where you can just be okay no matter what you're feeling with the Christ ambassador. So basically you have a safe place. What they call it is a soul friend that you can be safe with, that you can share whatever is on your heart, and it's okay. This is what they do not do. They don't Bible verse you. So it's, it's not like, man, I'm walking through this. Well, you can do all things through Christ. Greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. And you're like trying to pour out your heart and share what's going on. And they always have a scripture verse for you. Right? Or you're not the cheerleader. Oh, man, I just really got this going on. It's all good, bro. You can do it. Get it, bro. Work. Grind. Right? Got the cheerleader. You have got... Um, What's some of the other, the other ones here? You got the cheerleader, the Bible verse guy, the sympathizer. This is a good one. I'm really struggling with this guy at work. I know what you mean. I've got this same guy at work. And so you take the attention off of them when you put it right on you because you just try to immediately relate with them. And what you do is you actually shut them down because now the attention isn't on them. The tension is totally back on you. And the person's like, oh, well, I'm sorry that that's going on with you. And when, like, the whole point was, 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 to, was for, like, you to share with them. Right? Empathy, though, is creating a place, is having a safe place where your soul can breathe. And you've got a friend where, where you can just come and pour out your heart to them. And do you know what they're going to do? Tell me more about that right? And typically the way we process stuff, one of the ways that Jesus actually suffers with us is, is we have safe people that will suffer with us as Jesus' representative. Because you're thinking, I can tell you, Jesus suffers with you, but you're like, I don't see Jesus. I don't see him with his arm around me, right? But typically the way Jesus shows himself is through other people and people being his representatives and his ambassadors. And I did not know, but for the first 13 years of my marriage, do you know what I was? The Bible verse guy. I was the cheerleader. I was the sympathizer. And I didn't realize that, like, for 13 years, you know what my wife needed? Not for me to fix anything. She didn't need answers. She did not need textbook. Like, one of the things Kristen would always say to me, stop pastoring me. You know what she needed? She needed a safe place to breathe. She needed a safe place where what, what was inside of her spirit and inside of her heart was okay. Whatever she was wrestling with and dealing with and suffering and, and suffering with, she just needed a safe place where she could speak. She didn't need me to respond. Well, you just need to, you know, and, and try to fix her problem or give her, it was just like, no, she needed a safe place to breathe. And one of the ways that we receive healing and that we can greet is when we have a safe place place a safe person that we can just receive empathy from empathy literally literally means this like 
I might not know exactly what you've experienced or know exactly what you feel, but it's okay, and I'm here, and you're safe. How, how many of you would benefit from having a place like, like that? Now, this does not mean this person doesn't get to the point of speaking some truth, doesn't get to the point of maybe giving you some scriptures, or maybe come to the point of maybe giving you encouragement. But the starting point is a place of it's, it's okay. And I didn't know how much I needed that. Just to have a safe place where I could just, whatever I'm feeling, it's okay. But as one of the processes of getting to this place of letting know that Jesus suffers with you is having an ambassador there that can suffer with you. Jesus did sit and suffer as an example. Jesus suffers with you. And what I want to let you know today is that Jesus is suffering here with you, but he just didn't suffer with you. I want to remind you today that Jesus suffered for you. Jesus suffered for you. You know, we're, you know, really, as we're on this journey towards resurrection, yes, we need to almost be reminded of what Jesus walked through for us. And really, one of the movies that I love to watch in this season is The Passion of the Christ. My wife can't handle it. She's like, I can't do it. So I'm sorry if you can't handle these pictures. Just shut your eyes, okay? But we need to be reminded of what Jesus suffered for us. Not to devalue our suffering, because that's not what Jesus is trying to do. But within this season, we need to be reminded of the suffering that Jesus endured for you. And Jesus suffered so you wouldn't have to suffer eternally. But one of the things that I think is very unique, and Jarvis, you can go ahead and come on up, is that Jesus' suffering had a purpose beyond just his suffering. One of the things, again, Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews tells us in chapter 12, this is what it says about Jesus. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Something just broke. Is that a laptop? All right, well, right now we're going to take the offering uh, for a brand new laptop. How much is that, Jarvis? About a thousand bucks? No. It's <laughs> a gift to lifehouse.com. If you give a gift, no. Um, it says, For the joy set before him, and him being Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. And one of the, the things that is powerful about this verse here is because. Jesus could almost endure the suffering he knew he was going to walk in because he knew his suffering had a purpose to it that lasted beyond his suffering. So it says, for the joy set before him, for the joy that was coming, he was able to endure the cross, scorning its shame, because he knew eventually as he walked through the suffering what was on the other side. Essentially, Jesus' suffering had purpose. And what I felt led to remind you of today is that whatever suffering you walk through, you have walked through, or you will walk through, I'm going to use this one, like most of the time always has a purpose beyond you. 
basically you never suffer in vain. It's never wasted. And, and I'm not telling you this just, just to, 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 just to like tell you, hurry up and get over it, walk through it, process it, hurry up, just get over it. You know, God's got a purpose and a plan. He, he does. That doesn't mean rush through it, but what I am saying is one of the things that can actually help you in your healing process at when you are suffering is being reminded of the fact this suffering is not in vain in God's sovereignty, in God's way, in God's plan. Romans 8, 28, he's gonna take all things, not that all things are good, but he is so good, he'll take all things and make it work for our good and for his glory if we let him. But he will take any suffering you've walked through and give it, here's the word, purpose. Because I'm telling you, some of you have walked through some insane things that have grieved your heart and grieved your soul. And, and the next step in that process is you taking your suffering and giving it purpose by taking it and telling somebody else, me too. Because one of the things that the church body does, I mean, one of the things that Paul even said, it says those who mourn, like, mourn with those who mourn, suffer with those who suffer. One of the things the church body is supposed to do together is to suffer together. And one of the ways we suffer together is we're not afraid to share our sufferings because in sharing them, there's probably somebody else walking through the same suffering. And there's power in those words, me too. Like if you have been a mom and, and, and you haven't been able to get pregnant, I mean, and that, and you, that, I mean, and that grips your soul, it suffers your, your soul. There's courage in sharing that. Why? Because there's probably somebody else that's walking through the same suffering. And then as you, then there's power in those words, me too. Maybe you've by God's grace, you've been able to get through it. And, and by God's grace, you've been able to process the pain and see the goodness of God in the midst of it. Then, then you can take your, your suffering that the, you walk through and you can go and then you can help somebody else and take somebody else's hand and be like, let's walk through this together. That, that is what makes suffering. Like Jesus, for the joy set before him, for the purpose beyond his suffering, he was able to endure. And I, and I know in this room, there is so much suffering represented here. People walking through divorces, to people they never imagined being in that position. You've lost a loved one, you've lost a child, you have a physical handicap, maybe you're in financial suffering, financial hardship. Maybe you grew up without a dad and you, you know, there's, there's this big father wound there and, and you, know, you didn't ask for that but it's kind of the hand you were dealt. Like there, you know, there's so many hands that we've been dealt, many of you here that you never asked for. Maybe you can't find a job, you know, like they're suffering, like however many people are within this room here is the kinds of suffering there is and more. And what I desire for us to do is, is to suffer well together as we have courage to share and courage to be vulnerable 
and courage to say, do you know what? There, there's a purpose beyond this. Because honestly, when you see the people that God uses, the greatest in our world, it's normally connected to something they've suffered. People that have started movements around the world, it's typically created to an experience they've had of suffering. And what I'm, I'm saying in your life as you've suffered, it's not purpose. It, it's, it's, it's not purposelessness. It's, it's, you've walked through it if you're still in it. God wants to use it. You might not be ready there. You, you might be in that, in that season before there's healing and before there's rest, there's rest, there's restoration. You've got to walk through it. But as you walk through it, you're not by yourself. Church, my heart, before we get to the resurrection, is to go into our suffering, but also invite Jesus into it. Know it's a part of the plan. He's using it. And I'm telling you, as you let him in, you let him heal, you let him restore, he'll give it purpose. And then one of your greatest ministries in the way that God will use you is typically found with your greatest suffering. Would you stand up with me? We're gonna pray. Remember how to suffer well. Jesus suffered as an example. You can expect it. Jesus suffers with you. You're never alone or looked down upon when you suffer. And lastly, Jesus suffered for you. Your suffering always has a purpose. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we just love you. We thank you. We praise you. And God, we just, we just thank you that today, God, be, before we go to the resurrection and before we celebrate, God, we can be reminded today that, Lord, suffering is a part of the plan. Many of us didn't ask for it, and God, we could wrestle with all day why, why suffering happens. And, but, ult, but ultimately, God, this is, this is something that, that this is a place to invite you into. So God, I just pray that your, that your people today God, that as they follow you, you give them the grace to do even what you did. Lord, we're gonna pray that you'd keep us from it, but at the same time, we're gonna say, God, your will be done. We thank you that you suffer with us, that you don't look down on us, but you, but you suffer with us, with us. And we thank you, God, that our suffering always has a purpose. So God, I pray the people today, as they sift through what you're doing inside of them, God, that they would even see maybe what that purpose is and you'd give them the strength to walk in it. Before we receive communion to, today and really celebrate what Christ suffered, I do just want to give you the opportunity to, to consider what Jesus suffered for you and know he did that for you. And because he did that for you, what he actually did is found in 2 Corinthians 5.21. And this is what this verse says. It says, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So would, do you maybe need to receive today Jesus and receive what he did. Salvation and being in right relationship with God isn't what you achieve through your good works. It's what you receive through Jesus' good work. And so maybe today before we receive communion, one of the things scripture tells us to do before we receive communion is to examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. 
So before we receive this today, I just wanna say, are you at a place where you need to welcome in the, the Lord today? Do you need to give your life to him? As Jesus gave everything to you, do you need to give back to him? Before we do that, before, before we receive communion today, every head bowed, every eye closed, let me just, let's just create a time of privacy. You'd say, John, that's me today. I need to receive you. You, you, would, you, would, you would say, John, I, I need to accept what Jesus did for me. On the count of three, I'm just gonna have you say yes. What we do at Lifehouse here is when you just say yes, we believe that's your word of faith and you're receiving it and accepting what the Lord wants to say and what the Lord wants to speak. And you are receiving what the Lord wants to give you. You're opening the door of your heart. So on the count of three, if you wanna receive Jesus today, you wanna receive what he did, just say yes when I say three. Ready, one, two, three. Lifehouse Church, we're, we're gonna pray with all of those that said yes today. Would you, would, would, would you just join in with them and repeat this prayer right after me? Say this, Jesus, I receive you. Thank you for suffering for me. Thank you for suffering in my place. Thank you for suffering as me and paying the cost for my rebellion. In response, I give you all of me. I make a direction change. I make a shift from my way to your way. I surrender myself to you. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. And I welcome you into my life. And I give you all of my life. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. And if today's message helped or inspired you, feel free to share it with someone. If after today's message you have questions, need help, or just want somebody to talk to or process with, just shoot Lifehouse a text to 757-690-2401. For more information about Lifehouse, you can visit us at lifehouseonline.church. That's lifehouseonline.church.